evaluating what's the optimal balance of physical in-person versus remote and or that hybrid when do we want to bring people back is that two days a week is that once a month for meetings or, or key meetings etc the topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of w4cy radio its employees or affiliates we make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs services or products mentioned on air or on our web no liability explicit or implied shall be extended to w4cy radio or its employees or affiliates any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts thank you for choosing w4cy radio Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, welcome. Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Talk4TV, and I appreciate you being here. We've got, I, I have a few great guests today. If you've been watching the headlines, if you are in business, if you are in a, a worker and you're looking for another job, you've probably recognized that we are experiencing a labor shortage. I wrote about this in 20 years ago, Kinsey wrote about it 30 years ago, talked about the, the talent war, the war for talent. I started to talk and write about it in about 1999, I believe. And then I published my first book in the early 2000s about the perfect labor storm. And it was really more than just at that point, the millennials, but it was about the convergence of the generations, globalization, the internet, women in the workplace, changes in education, technology. It was the convergence of all these things which eventually evolved into Googleization. So I know I get a lot of questions about what is Googleization and Googleization is really the convergence of the wire, the tired and technology or uh, business people and technology, which we all experienced in 2020. So one of those headlines that we've been experiencing lately or that we've been reading about lately is businesses are really struggling to find jobs. This is not just a blip on the radar. This is not going to resolve by the end of the year. Uh, just this morning, a couple headlines that I pulled out, and we'll be talking a little bit about that today with our guests. The labor after a pause in 2022, so this is from the conference board, the expectation is, is that labor shortages, too few people applying for too many jobs, will Stay, will increase through the end of this year. And then in early 2022, uh, it will improve. It will stabilize a little bit, but then it's going to accelerate again until the next recession. So for at which, which is typically in cycles, you know, five to seven years type thing. But and I'm not an economist, so you can follow your favorite economist for that information. But we are going to continue to experience a very, very, very tight labor market. And people, you got to get your act together. And that's why we're here at Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We talk about that every week. What can you do to help attract talent? Uh, there was another report that came out, uh, Wall Street Journal, and I, I don't remember where the study was from, but they reported on it that there are now more job openings than there are qualified people to fill them. National Federation of Independent Businesses found that 44%, or I'm sorry, 92% of small businesses report that they can they are getting few 
were no qualified applicants. And so big challenge. But part of the transformation, part of and also an opportunity that's out there is that hybrid workforce is with us. And we're 99%, we'll get into this with our first guest in just a minute, but prior to the pandemic, 99% of companies required employees to be at work 80% or more of the time. That number now has reduced has has been reduced to about 10% require imp- their employees to be at work at work not working but at work more than 99% or more than 80% of the time so big shift and that has huge implications not only for recruitment but for retention for engagement for diversity inclusion you name it and companies are still trying to figure it out so our first guest today is going to be Victoria Pelletier uh, she is a vice president, IBM vice president of talent, talent and transformation leader, if I got that right, vice president in North American talent and transformation leader. And then our second guest we're going to follow up with is Kia Roberts. She's the founder and principal of Triangle Investigations. We're going to talk about some of compliance issues and, and some uh, re- misconduct that will be that that it needs to be addressed and that can be anywhere from discrimination to sexual harassment to bullying now that people doesn't go away just because we're working remote and uh, and uh, Kia, if I didn't say this, was the former NFL director of investigations. Uh, so we've got two really phenomenal guests. Uh, before we get there, Roxy can show you a number of webinars that relate to this. I, I spoke with Ed Gordon last week. And Ed, if you're you're not familiar with him, he's been a labor economist who wrote over 20 books. Uh, And the website, the, the interview is available on YouTube. You can watch it there. I also have two webinars that are available. One is your duct tape won't fix your effed up candidate experience, which is a real critical part. And then also we're talking about adaptability, how we need to change. And we're living in a world of digital transformation. Uh, and you can access those replays on the links that were Roxy will just displayed. And we'll show that again throughout. But right now, I want to also thank Ingomo, Ingomo, who just last week launched their new app. So appreciate Ingomo being one of our sponsors and of course, Success Performance Solutions, which you'll hear both from both of them just a few minutes at the break. Right now, let's bring on Victoria Pelletier. As I said, she's the IBM Vice President and North American Talent and Transformation Leader. That's a big title. You must have that on your uh, on your door, the whole tag, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've decided to cut that down. We've got acronyms galore at IBM, so I just uh, use that. I tend to just sign off my emails, just VP, both my, my initials and my, my title. <laughs> VP, VP, uh, easy to remember. Well, welcome, thanks. It's great to meet. We, we did, it, did it digitally over the week, getting to know each other, but appreciate to be here. And, you know, I reached out to you at the hybrid workforce, certainly uh, IBM, just studying the, the future of work. They've been all over it. I remember hearing, I don't think Gina's Rometty is, she's no longer CHRO, I believe. But I remember hearing her, she was still in that position a little over a year. It must've been April or maybe April last year. And she was on a panel and they were talking about surprises, what was going to happen, what changed or, you know, what caught them off guard. And I remember her saying, and it struck me because here was IBM with all this data and and understanding it. They they didn't know who, they didn't really have clear idea who the, the essential workers were. 
when it's like everybody can go home except for the essential workers or everybody doesn't have shouldn't report to work except for essential workers it's like so who's an essential worker <laughs> you know and uh, again brought a new term into in, in the hr world but now that we are coming back and coming back with the vengeance the economy's hot stock market's hot job market's hot we are dealing with this thing called hybrid workforce and somehow people think it's remote or it's at work on physical site and there's i don't know how many shades of gray <laughs> between there what are you seeing what are you hearing from your client what's what's going on on your end well i a multitude of different things are so hybrid work as you said very much so has become the the new vernacular and explaining just quite frankly what i think is going to be just the new normal the way in which we work you know we are social animals so there is a desire to still i'll say break bread i'm used to hopping on planes and going and seeing clients all of the time i do actually i don't miss the flight delays all the time etc but i miss that opportunity and so what i think we're going to see is you know this mix and this is what companies are trying is i'm working with clients right now chros and other executives of companies trying to figure out what what's the right balance as you said, there are essential workers. For IBMers, those were things like individuals who needed to sit and reside in data centers, right? We're protecting the infrastructure and the data of other companies. Or where we process transactions for financial services clients who wouldn't want that done in, in someone's home. So you're right, we needed to work through that. And as I'm working with companies like manufacturing or think contact centers where can be it requires being in physical locations depending on the type of work that they're doing or the calls or contacts that they're handling recognize you know that's going to continue to exist in physical workplaces but the rest and, and employees in particular are looking for many of whom and i think you know my kid my kids are older so um they could care less whether i'm here at home or not but for those with toddlers who are walking in behind we see that on news channels etc they're looking to to go and get out of you know the, these four walls and the, these square windows that we're staring at but also as you mentioned it's around this balance between productivity yet engagement it requires a very different type of leadership in terms of how we need to be communicating keep employees engaged do you think of design thinking sessions or innovation or creativity a lot of that done on a whiteboard in a room with all of those juices flowing so it's much more so around evaluating what's the optimal balance of physical in person versus remote and or that hybrid when do we want to bring people back is that two days a week is that once a, a month for meetings or, or key meetings etc right and and i guess you know going back again is is people are it's an, it's almost a binary choice people are looking it's a binary choice and if you put it on a slider 100 percent remote to 100 percent at work the challenge is the slider is going to be constantly moving it's going to be up and down you know this isn't going to be the last challenge we have uh, reaching out to top talent we may have that but they only they they want to be home two days a week so it's going to be a choice do you have do, do you hire that person because you have this or not hire them because you have this policy that they have to be there 80 percent or 100 percent of the time or do you make arrangements and then all of a sudden childcare changes or their spouse's role changes their job changes or this week their spouse is you know traveling and they need they have to rearrange their childcare. So again, I, I think it's 
if people look at it as this perpetually moving sliding scale of what hybrid means, which drives people crazy because humans are addicted to certainty. We, we, we need to, you know, we need to know. You mentioned something earlier though. And again, I think this fits into that conversation. You said that, well, the data workers, the data center employees were essential. They needed to be on site. But even with involving technology, when that's a security issue. That's a confidentiality issue. That's a privacy issue. But, you know, with things like blockchain, will, will that change that? Will that, that main, well, even data center people may not have to be there. So. Yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, and this is what companies are evaluating now, what they once thought were essential to be in the office. I spoke to it with a large U.S. state ahead of their technology. I think they have about 15 or 1,600 people. And the way in which they measure their team, their performance was seeing physical bumps and seats, you know, and they asked, well, what if, what if we were to have people, some kind of a rolling hybrid environment, et cetera, and how are we going to manage their performance? And I sort of looked through the WebEx screen at them and said, well, how did you measure before? Right. So it's look, what was essential to be physically in offices is just caused leadership to completely have to rethink that. And to how you were just even opening up the show as well, when you look at you know, the scarcity for the right kind of talent and the demand for skills. This is where I'm seeing a significant change. You know, there's a rapid, much more rapid acceleration around digital transformation, modernizing infrastructures and the, you know, cloud environments and the applications they reside upon, number one, and two, automation of work. So what, what gets left behind with looking at those kind of skills that's changing. So employers, when, they, when they're looking at this optimization of workforce and how is it connected to their business strategy, the conversation becomes much more around the skills that are required for this future of work. And where do we go to get those skills? And, do they, and therefore, that means looking much more broadly at global economy and workforce to deliver, even for those who might have traditionally only operated in certain physical hubs in certain geographic locations. It, the scarcity for skills, when you think of it, we all expect a consumer-grade experience sitting at home. The ability to, you know, go on Amazon or similar, you know, electronic shopping carts and do all of our shopping from home in these last 15 or 16 months. Well, that requires a significant amount of investment and type of skills, you know, from a technology perspective. But then you think of the customer service workers who need to service all of these customers. So that's where there, it, there's this shift now in, you know, getting the right kind of skills. Do you buy that talent? But as you said, there's not necessarily enough of it out there. Are you developing the skills? Are you investing in education? And, and for the changing propensity of skills, that's the other thing. The, art, the shelf life of skills is decreasing rapidly to less than three years, two years, right? So, it's, so that's that balance now. And so therefore, you know, getting workers with those skills in the environments in which they want to work is completely changing the way that, that businesses and leaders need to be thinking about it now. What are some of the skills that are you say, you're seeing are in highest demand? a significant amount of technical skills right now. So things like CRM skills, Salesforce, one of the hottest skills out there. There's also a migration. I spent a lot of time with CHRO. So you look at the human capital management systems that are out there. They all need to be migrating to the cloud right now. Tax updates and it's important we all get paid. And so, you know, we're seeing that shift to the cloud. So there's 
functional technical skills that are required. But what's really interesting is there's also a shift in the soft skills. As we automate more, what gets left behind for workers to do are higher value activities where you need critical thinking skills and the ability to be agile and pivot. And I don't mean agile in the waterfall technical sense, just the ability to adapt and adopt to new processes very quickly. And as leaders, again, operating this kind of environment, there's very different skills that we need in terms of leaders who can engage in a very different way, communicate in a very different way. Employees are also expecting much more transparency in their employers, right? And connectedness to think of what's happened from a social standpoint as well. So connectedness around values, you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion. So those all are soft skills that are much more amplified than they were in years past. And how, so where do we get these? I mean, the Chamber of Commerce just came out Monday, I think, or Tuesday of this week. And, you know, big declaration, we have a shortage of workers. So well, I'm not sure that was headline news, but they they emphasize the importance of that. And, you know, certainly there's an initiative now to improve training. So much of the traditional, you know, BS, you know, frankly, of, of we need res- we need to change education. We need to reskill. We need to upskill. We need more training programs. We need apprenticeship programs. But a lot of those take time. I mean, and as you said, I mean, by the time you, you put a program in a place and it's a two or three year implementation, some of those skills just are no longer needed or they've ch- changed themselves. So wh- what are you seeing, you know, what's happening now with kind of the f- fast retraining, the, the fast upskilling? What are, what are companies doing? And what do we need to do? What I'm seeing is a multi-pronged approach to that. And there are definitely the long-term ones, uh, as you said, things like looking at at IBM, for example, P-TECH schools. This also helps our diversity initiative. So we're going to underrepresented communities, getting kids at, you know, age, sorry, grade nine and trying to get them, you know, interested in technology and building for future. Again, that's long-term. So short-term, it's this optimization of the workforce. And this is where the HR business partner needs to become much more of the consultant to the business leaders. I go back to skills. What are the skills that you need? And then you look at the data. So actually what one of the you know hottest jobs I'm seeing is actually data scientists around employee data. And so looking at a combination of looking in the rear view mirror, what's worked, who have been our top performers in the past with what skills have they had? But the next is then the bridge to the propensity to learn. And so what are the types of skills, projects, programs that people have worked on in the past and been successful, and then career paths of others, and then look at the digital footprint as well to see who has the propensity to learn a new skill versus we know that buying it gets more and more expensive you know, as the, you know, salary costs increase each time there's a hop versus the long tail to, you know, to educate an existing workforce. So much more around that propensity to learn. And then there's a balance though, contingent workforce and the gig economy. And so it's a balance of all of those things. And it's becoming more and more difficult than, than it ever, ever was. Well, I, I talked, my TED talk was about VUCA. I've written about VUCA for 15 years. I, I keep saying it over and over again. I don't know a better acronym for 2020 than VUCA, which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that's, that is, you know, if, if there is a new normal, which nobody likes to, you know, I, again, there is no, th- no such thing as normal. We're going back to that. You know, I talk about next waves of normals 
that there's going to be multiple normals. We're, we're each going to experience it a little differently. It could be different for industry, per people, per region. So we're all going to have these different normals happening in different waves. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's scary. It's terrifying. It's also fascinating. I mean, it's, you know, people like you and I, and a lot of people at IBM and a lot of consultants that I know are, are fascinated by, you know, where things are going to go, but it's terrifying for if you're an employer. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and trying to figure out your business model. You know, I talk a lot, in addition to VUCA, I mean, the, the solution to that, we talk a lot about the, the soft skills. And, you know, every, I, I, can, I can say every single day I get called by someone say, can we test for work ethic? Can we test for grit? What about resilience? And, you know, throughout these bud words, and, and that's like, if we have somebody who's resilient, now they'll be a good employee. And they may stick around. They may not quit impulsively, but that doesn't make them quality. In fact, my guest next, one of my guests next week is David Houle. He has a new book and he, his book's called Cognitive Dissidence. And, you know, one of the skills we talk about in, in, in the AQ adaptability quotient is mental flexibility. And the, it's the ability to have these multiple thoughts you, you hear, or, or, or to have kind of opposing thoughts and have them in your head at the same time and make sense of them. That's a skill that obviously a lot of people don't have because we've been, again, addicted to this certainty. What, what do you, I guess, what's, and this falls in line with the skills that we need, but what do you see as the biggest challenge that companies are having in training and getting the people up to speed because even with retraining it's like so if i if i complete this course if i go back to school for two years then i get a job and i get a raise and we go no 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 that's not guaranteed you, ha you have to do it but we're not guaranteeing anything what, what are you saying is the biggest you know one of the biggest challenges that i guess employers are facing even figuring out what do we need to train well, I go back to the connecting skills for the future with business strategy, right? So you think every business has a one, three, five-year business strategy. So it's connecting that back to, again, the, the skills that are going to be required to deliver the outcomes as part of the business strategy. So, you know, figuring that out and again, two, three years out. So you have the lead time to build or buy or automate, you know, those skills that are required. The next thing would be around the, the way we look at measuring performance is changing. And you touched on that around flexibility and adaptability and how do you measure for that. And when I think of the, the way we look at you know, so many business processes are being automated right now. And as I said earlier, what gets left behind are the higher value type of activities that require the ability to break the rules to deliver an outcome sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not like with our next guest from our breaking some of the compliance issues, you, you, but you think of in a contact center, right? Well, you know, A and B, like this is what the rules I need to follow. Well, they don't always make sense. And so the expectation we have is very, very different. And so for employers, it also means looking at measuring performance very differently. So being incredibly, performance and pay, quite frankly. So being really clear that pay is linked to skills, demand for skills. So it's incumbent upon the employees to also be educating themselves and building their skills. They are, however, looking for employers to invest in them as well. And that breeds 
in their mind, job security. We know that there isn't really job security, but if you continue to stay current with skills, it keeps you in demand and therefore somewhat secure. And so that's one element of pay, but then also the other pay component is pay for performance. And so being really clear on outcomes that are expected. And some of that comes with flexibility to be problem solvers, to be innovative and creative in delivering solutions in a very different environment. And, and that also means being iterative, right? Because we're going to go through that. And sometimes the adage, you can't manage what you can't measure. But some of those elements, when you say, this is the outcome that I want, might initially be not as tangible. So again, that's a very different type of leader who needs to lead in that way and coach and develop, again, be really transparent with expectations, or I always talk about outcomes, outcomes that we're expecting for the constituents we serve, whether those are employees, customers, or clients. And going back to uh, talking about the hybrid workforce, so everybody's struggling with this, we're going to bring some people back, we can't, what, I mean, what's the first thing, I mean, for companies that are in the midst of, in the throes of this, which is almost every company, but especially I work with a lot of small, medium-sized businesses, and this is completely new to them because they always thought they had to watch people, literally managing by walking around. You're not going to be able to walk around remotely. What are, what are some of the things that, you know, uh, well, any leader, but small business, small, medium-sized business owners should be doing right now to evaluate, you know, to determine what shape or form hybrid takes? I'd say first and foremost, ask your employees. I'm seeing some companies who are going all in and creating what they, you know, these hubs, innovation hubs, they're reconfiguring offices with a smaller footprint without actually understanding how many of their employees plan on returning to a physical work environment or want to, they can dictate it. But they might not actually... Yeah, novel idea, ask your employees. <laughs> yeah, shocking, right? So I, I'd say that first and foremost, but then also understand, I mean, what are the, what, what's the, the business that you're in? What is your business culture? I think of, you know, again, if you're innovating and creating products or designs, or you think marketing, et cetera, that there's a lot of that creativity that does happen when we come together. The distraction that comes in sitting in a, behind a Zoom or a WebEx call is not the same. So, you know, the answer is typical consultant speak. It depends is the answer, but it really does on what employees want, what's the, the work product or service that you're delivering, and what's the type of culture and environment you're in. And so that's where I think you, and then there becomes a blend. Like, I think you need to, I think there, the expectations for employees that employees have are very different. So it's a balance between all of those elements. And so each individual small business owner is going to have to assess that. But again, based upon conversation with their employees, with their customers and assessing the needs of, of, you know, the, the, the work products, services and, and outcomes they're expecting. Yeah. And if the McKinsey study is right, we're 10%, only 10% executives feel that they're going to be 80% or more, or, or that 10% of the workforce is, is going to be at work 80% of the time. That leaves a lot of shades of gray going from 100% remote to whatever. So Victoria, I really appreciate it. We can talk, I, I can talk to you forever. So a million more questions I have. Hopefully you'll come back and for, but for people who want to reach out to you, people want to re- learn more from you, how, how can they do that? 
They can find me on my website, which is victoria-pelletier.com, or you can certainly look me up on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Real quick question. Uh, we got just a few seconds here. You're from now. I have you back on the air. What are we talking about? Uh, quite honestly, I think we're going to be talking much more the same. This this normal is going to shift, as you said. We want stability, but the, the, it it doesn't exist. Com you know, so it comfort and change, you know, d don't don't exist. So I think we're going to be having similar conversation. That, that's my answer too. So <laughs> when I ask that, uh, thanks very much. Thank you for being part of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Please stay safe. We will definitely be in touch. Thanks very much. Thank okay. Thanks. Have a good day. Wow. You know, I, I again, we talk about the next waves of normals. Or I talk about the next waves of normals, and it's great to hear, get, get some confirmation that I'm correct. And I want to thank Victoria Pelletier for being our guest and talking about the hyper workforce. But we've got another great guest coming up, Kia uh, Roberts from Triangle Investigations. He's also the former director of NF NFL. NFL Director of Investigations, if I can get that out right. But first, we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors in GOMU and Success Performance Solutions. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800 8034303 Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ingomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at ngomu.com today. Hey, welcome back everyone to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not a subscriber yet, you're not a member of Googleization Nation, it is free and hopefully you will join. Uh, you can go to googleizationnation.com, very easy, and you will get weekly updates, uh, podcasts, webinars. We've had a couple of webinars going on uh, recently, and they're still available on the replay. We'll be having our new calendar come out in just a few days, which you'll get on Googleization Nation. But please do so. You can uh, check catch our replay of my interview last week with Ed Gordon talking about the labor short uh, the, the labor market meltdown and that's available up on YouTube so is my duct tape or actually on my webinar platform and you can get to that by going straight to successperformancesolutions.com you can or there you can go to bit.live forward slash aqai520 and that's duct tape won't fix your broken candidate experience. And then you can also go to our adaptability webinar, how to grow and thrive in an effed up world. We'll show those again at the end. I appreciate you being here. But right now we're going to continue 
uh, show with our next guest, Kia Roberts. Kia is the founder and principal at Triangle Investigations. She is also the former NFL Director of Investigations, and we're going to be talking about how that plays in on the current hybrid workforce or the new workforce, whether it's hybrid or not. So we want to welcome Kia to the show. Hi, how are you? Hi, Kia. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to be here. Well, Ira. Hey, thanks for being part of that. So you went from the NFL to your your own business, investigating misconduct, sexual harassment, Again, a good training ground, I guess. <laughs> so, what? So, how? I guess. What are some warning signs? I mean, what are some of the things that, as I know, you heard part of the interview I just had with Victoria. Um, but as companies are evaluating moving to that hybrid workforce, whether it's one hundred percent or one percent, right? Uh, what are some of the changes that they need to be aware of? What are some of the policy changes they need to? So it's absolutely critical that employers continue to do the really good and consistent and substantive work of keeping their finger on the pulse of the employee experience. So employers cannot say, oh, well, people only hear 50% of the time, 25% of the time. It doesn't make a difference because the fact of the matter is if an employee, if an employer, excuse me, if an employee can make a substantive argument that they have been on the receiving end of discrimination, retaliation, sexual harassment, and whatnot, that employer now has a legal problem, right? And what's been so fascinating for our team over the last year is the ways in which misconduct appears while people are working remotely. Like it's still happening. We've had like zero slowdown in terms of our caseloads and investigations because discrimination, harassment, retaliation, sexual harassment, unfortunately can all be performed remotely. So it's crucial for employers to really keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on, even when they're not having that day-to-day interaction with employees. So uh, so there's obviously, you know, I won't say obviously, hopefully it's obvious to most people that are certain things such as bullying, you know, sexual harassment, you know, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's virtual, they're the same. And so, but without sharing, obviously, I know some of these are confidential. I'm sure they can't be shared. What would be some examples of, of things that you've seen maybe on the uprise or, or companies that need to be more aware of that may be more likely to happen um, through through a virtual uh, or through a remote or a virtual platform than they would on site? Right. Absolutely. So we had an investigation last summer that I call our uniquely 2020 investigation in terms of the allegations and what employees were saying was happening. So, for example, there was an African-American woman on the team who said that the manager would make her turn on her camera for meetings to keep an eye on her, but didn't ask the white team members to do so in a way that to her felt like monitoring an excessive performance review. We've also seen some complaints with managers really not having good boundaries about work versus home now that we're all working remotely. So, you know, managers that expect people to respond to emails very, very late at night or on weekends or early in the morning because the line between work and home has gotten so blurred. We also had a really interesting investigation where we really started to explore the bounds of what is an employer entitled to know and not know with respect to your health status. So this was pre-vaccine. This particular employee stated that he got sick with coronavirus pretty early on in the pandemic and had a rough time, but ultimately recovered, but that his manager was asking questions, were you sick? Did you have coronavirus? In a way that felt to him 
intrusive and possibly violative of his medical privacy. So it's appearing in every way possible, you know, people being rude to each other and Slack messages and Teams chats. And this person was gesturing in a certain way in the camera. And that, that made me feel fearful, even though we weren't in the same room. So it's been all across the board, but it's certainly happening. So you're, you're, you've, we've taken off, we're flying the plane, and we're trying to figure out how to stay in the air and land it, right? Right, right. <laughs> what are, I, I guess, some of the things that you mentioned, though, and I've seen this in everything else, including talent acquisition and engagement, people blame virtual blame working remotely on the reasons yet many of these these challenge many of the problems i want to say challenges many of the problems many of the wrongs right really evident when everybody was at work am i am i correct i mean are, are, are you seeing any uniquely new problems or are these just the same problems in a new venue new medium they're the same problems showing up in a new medium. That's a very good way of putting it. But employers and, you know, many of our clients are really, really, really fearful of the blowback that can come without really knowing what's going on and addressing it correctly, right? So I was watching TV and someone said this and I stole this line because I thought it was so good. They said, with the rise of social media, what we're really starting to see is a democratization of the microphone which is so good. So if I'm at work and I am from historically underrepresented minority and I feel like I'm being treated this way at work, I don't have to go get an employment lawyer anymore. I don't have to go get a public relations person. I can just take to Twitter or I can go on Facebook and maybe some employees will join me. And a lot of organizations right now are living in that perpetual fear of the other shoe dropping, right? Like, is everything okay? We don't want to learn about it via social media. We don't want to learn about it via an investigative report in the New York Times. And we certainly don't want to learn about it once we get a demand letter from a lawyer, right? So everyone's having to think through these really new and creative ways of creating reporting processes and mechanisms for properly assessing the employee experience at any given time. You know, it's so interesting. You talk about the democratization and, you know, so last year, you know, social media is, you know, is everybody sort of knows what it is. You know, here we had Zoom. And the reality is, is that, you know, if you look all of a sudden, there was no C-suite and there was there, there was no cubicles. Everybody had an equal picture. Everybody and, and we and Zoom or any platform that that displayed everybody's face on the screen basically democratized. It was no longer walking into a mahogany, you know, office with a huge desk that that separated us. We were all just faces on a screen. And, you know, some companies learned to take advantage of that. And other companies continue to be challenged with that because they liked that hierarchy. They liked that protection. There was also the opportunities to see the, you know, the CEO who used to say, well, if they work at home, they're going to be distracted. And all of a sudden the CEO at home, the doorbell's ringing, the delivery guy's there, the plumber's there, the grandkids are there, the cat jumps up on the desk. And it's like, okay, now I, you know, so again, everybody became human and it was a real opportunity to become, you know, more transparent. What can a company do? I mean, here, here we are. I mean, we, we have a few minutes left. What are some things companies can do? And I guess it's twofold. What can they do to prevent calling you? And the second is, is when should they call you? 
<laughs> right. So with respect to the first question, what can they do to prevent calling you? One of the best things organizations can do for themselves just out of the bat is get a really solid, good code of conduct, outlining exactly what is acceptable with respect to employees' behavior. So that code of conduct serves as a guardrail, right? Saying these are the parameters for your employee experience and behavior, but then it also serves as a very effective risk management tool where God forbid, a few years down the line, someone does file a lawsuit. You can say, you know, we had this code of conduct in place. Employees were told that this is what was expected of them. So that's the first thing you can do to prevent calling me, kind of get that code of conduct behavior structure in place first. Now, do you help? I just want to interrupt you a second. Do you help people develop that or is there a good source you can send people to I mean, again it shouldn't be a co- copy and paste i assume that's right organizations write and craft their codes of conduct um we can do that in any way that the employer would like it done we can do a listening session with your team we can do an analysis of your misconduct stats and really kind of identify problem points and pain points within the employee experience and we work together in lockstep to write that code of conduct. While you brought that up, we can be found at triangleinvestigations.com. And if you mention this show, you do get a price of 50% off your code of conduct. We call it it the most inexpensive insurance policy you will ever have with respect to that code of conduct. And then with respect to, you know, when you do call us, what are we working through? So we are giving you, we can either perform an investigation because something has happened, like a very general misconduct investigation, digging into specific allegations, or we can help you build out an entire accountability structure. So that's the creation of your code of conduct, creating reporting processes and mechanisms for people to report misconduct, and then walk through what a consistent and thorough investigation should look like and how the the parties involved in the investigation are ultimately informed of the outcome of it. And we walk you through that end to end. And then we leave and you have a wonderful thing that hopefully stops you from being sued in the future. That That's that's my lawyer hat coming on with the risk management perspective, trying to protect our clients in that way. So so what what happens when that also doesn't, I mean, it's not 100% foolproof. So you got the code of contact, you, you contact, you, you did the training, you, everybody's aware of it, but people are still going to violate it. We're, we're still dealing with human beings. It goes off the rails. You know, what are some of, when should somebody call you? So if you have a specific incident that someone has already alleged saying that they've been a victim or on the receiving end of or witness misconduct, call us then. But if you have any questions at all, any holes that you're starting to kind of perceive within, is your code of conduct tight enough? Are people really reporting misconduct? That's become a huge Mm -hmm. issue, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of organizations know that there's things going on. How are people reporting it? Are things bubbling up to the level of management where it needs to go for it to be correctly addressed, right? So there's really, you know, really spending a lot of time figuring that out. And just we can do a complete analysis with you of where your weak spots are and work with you to create really good, strong risk management focused solutions. I mean, you bring up a great point there. Just because you don't hear it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Yes. So how... You know, and survey, obviously surveying your employees is one thing, but what are some, you know, what are some ways you can recommend that people can, you know, find out? I mean, if it's quiet, it, it's either good news or it, it's just waiting to simmer over. Absolutely. You know, how, how could a company, you know, what could a company do to, to find out if it's, if it, if it's really quiet? 
Right. So our organization has an app that we've developed. It's called Telly. It's available on Google Play in the App Store. And that works as a reporting mechanism for employees to report misconduct within their organization. They make the report on the app within 24 hours of having received the submission. We've made contact with the reporting party. Within 72 hours of having received the submission, we provide the client with an investigative roadmap and we do the investigation from there. So that has been you know, kind of a hot ticket item over the last year. This was actually developed pre-pandemic and has turned out to be especially useful over the last year. You know, when there's no HR door to go knock on, which there has not been for the last year for the majority of employees, you still want to keep an understanding of what's going on. So that's an example. And then there are hotlines and then there are designated people within the organization that we're saying, you know, we know we're all working remotely, but if something happens, this is the designated person that we'd like you to be in touch with so that organizations can really wrap their arms around what's going on. Excellent. So you, you already gave the website, but we'll, we'll do it again. If you didn't, if you heard the last, I, I try to wrap up each guest's appearance with my, with this question is 12 months from now, I'd love to have you back here. What's going on. What are we going to be talking about? 12 months from now, we are going to be talking about employers implementing very new creative and unique solutions for keeping their finger on the pulse of what's going on with employees from a misconduct perspective while employees work in a hybrid or remote situation. The liability for the company is exactly the same, whether you're seated in a cubicle or whether you're at home when people are engaging in misconduct that's violative of labor laws. Yeah, excellent. And I, I agree with you. I, I assume we're, you know, as most of my guests say, we're going to be talking much about the same things, just a little bit more complex, a little bit more in advanced, maybe a little bit more ambigu ambiguous uh, yeah. on, on how to approach this. So I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being here, Kia. Thank you much for having me. I appreciate yeah. And then again, I mean, just what you, what you talk about, we talk a lot about uh, talent acquisition, employee experience, candidate experience, uh, diversity, inclusion, and technology. All of this is so, I don't know how you, we achieve any of that. How do you improve your brand if you don't have a say, if, if people don't feel psychologically safe, how do you improve mm -hmm. diversity inclusion? How do you reach diversity or reach inclusion? I can't say diversity, but inclusion right. if we don't have that. So that's a vital role and uh, something that I'm not sure a lot of people thought about until now. So thanks very much for sharing that. Thank you again for having me, Ira. I really appreciate it. Okay. And Triangle Investigations, you can reach Kia. Yep. Triangleinvestigations.com. Thank you so much again. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate okay. it. And here we are at the, at the end of another Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Thank everybody for being part of it. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you'd like to uh, get updates on uh, future shows like this, our, our guests, and also some webinars that we've had and are coming up, please subscribe to Googleization Nation. And uh, again, you'll get uh, mostly weekly update, uh, very, very occasionally. If there's something hot off the press, I'll send you another one. and. Every now and then, you'll get a break from us. Essentially, weekly, you'll hear from us and get updates and stay tuned, whether we're talking about talent acquisition, employee engagement, candidate experience, diversity, inclusion. And we have great guests like we did today, Victoria Pelletier, IBM EP, leader, North American leader for transformation and talent, talking about the hybrid workforce, and also Kia Roberts from Triangle Community, Triangle Investigations, Triangle Investigations. You can reach both of them. Please uh, 
share the show with your friends, your colleagues. Hopefully you found it worthwhile. Also, if you're interested on, on replays or you can't make our live live TV, the live streaming each week, we are available on almost every podcast platform you can think of. Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, we're there. And really, again, appreciate you being here. Thank you again, Ingomo and Successful Performance Solutions for being part of the show, for allowing us to be here, for being our sponsor. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>